This is Unrelegated Live at Hudson FC, our headquarters, our HQ, booth A, uh, on this Tea Sippin' Tuesday. That's right. Sippin' some tea. We, we should have all had gotten tea. Yeah, you know. Uh, after that. Uh, Unless you're Piers Morgan, in which case it looks like you're smoking something. <laughs> and if you missed miss the World Cup match, uh, U.S. versus England, shame on you, number one. Uh, or watch the replay. Hopefully you've watched the replay um, by the time this comes out and you're listening to it. But, yeah, I mean, what a match, man. I mean... What a, what a goal celebration. 2-1. Oh, I mean, it was Alex Morgan, ultimate form of disrespect, I guess, depending on who you ask. Uh, England feels very aggrieved by the fact that she sipped tea. Yes. Or, as very disrespectful. Or, as mentioned, uh, looked like she was smoking something. But uh, that's only, again, if you're Piers Morgan and you're just really upset about the whole fact that England wasn't better, so they lost. Congrats, <laughs> America. We're amazing. U.S. moves on uh, after facing who? Who? F- f- I mean, to be fair... It, it was uh, it was a little close there. I mean, it was a close match. There was a close offside call. Uh, it was there, off though. There was the whiff goal, which got called a penalty, and the penalty was saved by Mar- Moyer. Ball <laughs> and, uh, don't lie. Yeah, and so it was, it was a crazy match, man. Yeah, it was probably as exciting as you can get for a World Cup semifinal. It's, yeah, it's what everyone deserved. Yeah, all the chaos. I felt that the winner of that one is most likely going to be the winner of the World Cup. I mean, I. Sweden and Netherlands play tomorrow. That'll be a good match, but I still think that England have been playing so well up to this point. United States, tough tough fixture against France, tough fixture against England. Yep. I just think they're they're showing how good they are. They're showing they're the class of women's football in the world, and hopefully they can make it a fourth World Cup come this weekend. But it was a tough test. I, I, I had nerves going into it, to be perfectly honest with you. I wasn't sure how they'd do. I wasn't like confident enough to yeah, be like. Yeah, but you wore definitely. your lucky magic eye shirt. I, I, uh, I wore my like '90s gaudy-looking warm-up top. Aaron, if you look closely, you can see a schooner. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's what you were talking about <laughs> with with all the memes that you were posting. It's amazing. Now I see what you're it's talking. Not a schooner. About. It's a sailboat. Oh man. Um, the voices that you're hearing right now, Tanner McLeod and Aaron Bauer, are guests uh, for the day. Happy to be here. Uh, self-invited himself, which, by the way, you can do that. I mean, it's like. You can do that if you want. I've, I've ended up on so many podcasts around Atlanta by just tweeting at people and being like, bring me on your podcast. And they're like, what is this guy talking about? Then we have a great time. So I end up getting invited back. So can't wait to see you in a few weeks. You're setting high expectations here. The, you think you're going to get invited back? Okay. Oh, absolutely not. I'm wearing a Red Bulls jersey on your podcast. I know my role. Well, we'll find, we'll find out. There's still plenty of time to, to, to screw this up. Um, so, you know, guys, if this is the first time you're watching, we're an uncensored censored kind of self-deprecating podcast uh we cover kind of soccer lifestyle culture we're not really big into the tactics and all that fun stuff uh with myself jay kelly francis and jessica charman and uh yeah we're just focused on everything atlanta soccer and uh we're glad that you joined us whether you're watching us on youtube or listening to your favorite podcast catcher um now by the way guys uh i have to say this uh i started a new series it's on atlanta united fan tv it is called five stripe five and it's fantastic. It's basically just a quick rundown of, uh, you know, as fast as I can go into just all the things. As I say, we think you should know, even if you don't know you need to know it, we're going to tell you anyways. It's basically that New York Times podcast every morning, The Daily, but five minutes on Atlanta <laughs> soccer, but in video <laughs> format. So it's nothing like The Daily, but very good. <laughs> it's just like it, but not. Exactly. It's like all the podcasts, but short and abridged and funny because it's you. There you go. So uh, so now I've set the bar way up here. and uh, now We'll I'm bring it slowly <laughs> yeah. back down to earth. Yeah. Those views will just slowly start to degrade or quickly degrade. Uh, we'll see how I do on the second episode. I hope to pump them out. Uh, don't want to set expectations too high here, but anywhere between three and five days, uh, depending on how much new stuff happens between then. I'm not just going to do it just to throw out We some have to stuff. have news to talk yeah, about. Yeah, you have to have something interesting to talk about. Well, the month of like, July will oh, have I a lot. I guess I could make stuff up. You that could. would be interesting. I mean, oh, yeah. Now, they're I mean, not five stripe, five things that may be true, maybe not. <laughs> Your job to find that's out. Right. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's basically what blogging was. Yeah. It's just creating content. You'll over be the Darren Eels. Darren Eels quits, becomes stand up comedian. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, five your five favorite players from 2005 in MLS that may be related yeah. to Atlanta. Your five favorite Atlanta United players uh, from 2015. There you go. <laughs> we could do all fun stuff. Anyways, I, now that's a whole new series. We got to think of something different. So, uh, anyways, uh, just to recap, we there was a soccer match. There was a soccer match, uh, and Aaron, you are wearing a Red Bulls jersey. 
Um, but you have season tickets. I do. To I, Atlanta I go United. to as many Atlanta United games as I can. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a different. Just to boo Atlanta? No. <laughs> no. I mean, so it's very. It's a very different experience than it was in 2017 when there was absolutely no expectations around and the two teams didn't really hate each other. Right. Well, I guess that changed after match one, but still it there was like cordialness you know i was having fun i wanted to see the team do well i still do it's i enjoy watching live soccer so mm. that's why i pay for season tickets it's a great atmosphere i genuinely enjoy going to mercedes-benz stadium and i loved going to bobby dodd too um i mean it's it's i i recommend it to everyone um i think there are things that could be improved obviously but that's just from my experience of knowing what other teams offer but overall i it's a great investment i have so much fun and i mean i like watching the team that's here what you think we're gonna sit here and take suggestions from a guy in a red bulls jersey is that what well, you I mean, think the this one is? thing that's this real major <laughs> difference between red bulls games and atlanta united games is the fact that there's actually people at atlanta united games and not covered seats so you know <laughs> oh, goodness you don't, gonna, you don't need to tell me i'll I be mean, the first to criticize we, our front office we, we, right into it we've just gotten right into it uh but two nil final just Miram with the brace opens up two as one a count, two one two one sorry uh was that goal it really happened it, it was just <laughs> stupid it was kicked deflected and, that, and, it and actually that is very important because that's the first game that we've won where we've had a goal scored on us. Yes. So that is a very important yeah. uh, differentiator there. So 2-1 final. Thank you, uh, Tanner, uh, for reminding me of that crap defending. And then Justin Miram opening his uh, account with Atlanta United with those two goals. Uh, and as I said, in five strike five, that's two goals in five games. And now he has two assists with the two U.S. Open Cup matches. So he's having a grand old time. Uh, Breck Shea got the assist on the Breck winner Shea as well. with the assist. A wild first Breck he's Shea. First he's like putting his body on the line to block to block soccer balls with his body on the ground like a log on the ground and then you know and that's a long way to fall for him and then he's you know getting assists yeah, so like a tree wrecking in the forest and just <laughs> fell on the floor you you can't teach being in the right place at the right time yeah it's a, a very valuable skill it i'm is. not saying that ironically and breck shea showed that he has that still no if you watch his goal. run where he goes and gets in position he actually he waited uh, he hung out and just kind of waited till he disappeared and nobody was paying attention to him and then he just made that run perfectly. Um, and I still don't understand how he actually didn't score the yeah. goal. How he just didn't poke <laughs> like it the way himself. it is foot. He just gone straight. I was like, how did you not get that in the back of the net? But he was trying to do a solid for Justin, who's had a rough you know year or so and you yeah. know needs the boost in confidence. Well, so. you can see how much it meant Justin Miram though, you know, holding his hands up, listening to the crowd that clearly loves him, as opposed to when he played at that team in Florida, you know, putting his finger. You you know, his fingers in his ears because he didn't want to hear right. those people giving him death threats and shit. Big difference in the celebrations going on. Yes. Um, and so, so we had the wonderful Breck Shea assist. Um, PT uh, continues to be uh, an enigma to me. He's He'll be good one half and then he's not good in the other. And it's kind of the same thing we've seen here where he was subbed off like the 65th minute for, for Don, uh, Pereira. And um, yeah, I mean, Pereira came on and made an immediate impact, had a shot on goal, and uh, was just on fire as soon as he came in, and it was a huge difference. Frank DeBoer hasn't, has been pretty measured in his... I do like the way that Frank DeBoer is completely different than Tata, where he talks openly to the media about things he's talked to the players about. Probably not everything, but he believes that they're big boys, they're professionals, so they should be able to handle it, and he basically says, you know, P I t told PT I thought he was... Uh, cause you know, going to cost us. He was ha making He's mistakes. He was a danger to the team. He was a yeah. danger to the team, but I still believe in him, and you know he can improve and that sort of thing. So I, I like that transparency. I like that uh, uh, aspect of it. I know not everybody feels the same way. Some people like the style of Tata where everything's kept in the locker room and you know it's just very professional. You don't really get – you have to kind of – the journalists have to kind of figure out by what he's saying. Is it cryptic? Like what is he getting <laughs> – Wonder, it makes it a fun game, but I, I at the wonder, same time, I like, wonder how much of that was the language barrier. Just oh, being that's part of that. But, like, but but also, you know, Tata knew what he was. saying. Yeah, you had oh, people. Yeah. You had people. Oh, yeah. uh, you you had Spanish language uh, journalists in there a lot, asking questions, and oh, for sure. I felt like he didn't give him much legroom either. Um, no, it's just a completely different style. Yeah. And I think De Boer, for me, I did not like how he approached this season from day one. Um, I'll be honest. I I honestly thought. You know, a, a third of the way through, he should have been should have been gone. He looked just as lost as he did in in Inter in Crystal Palace, and he's made a commitment to a more defensive style of play. And maybe it was just a lot of us a lot more jarring than how Tata played, which was free, open, flowing soccer. 
versus kind of methodical, rhythmic Dutch soccer. And that whiplash may have caused some friction in the beginning. And I, I credit to the front office here for sticking with him. Um, well, I think they also all got together and had meetings, everybody. Oh, Fr- sure. Bacanegra, all of them saying, you know, listen, we got to figure this out. There's yeah. definitely a come to Jesus moment, I think, where you <laughs> yeah. could tell where even the interview that, that came out that he did in New York before the Red Bulls match where he talked about how he usually prefers the last training session before a match to be serious, structured, going through everything. But most of the team prefers to have a scrimmage where they just play against each other and it be loose and light. And he's like, you know, they love it. I hate it, but it is what it is. And he made that, he changed, he, he adapted. And I think that he is becoming more comfortable with the league and, and with, with the style of play and the culture that is here. And he's trying to figure out that happy balance between what he wants and what the team wants. And I think that maybe it doesn't end with an MLS Cup or something this season, but I think as time goes on, it's probably going to be really important for the culture of this club to be built in a way that is different from the rest of MLS teams. Yeah, and I mean, despite obviously the defensive errors the last couple matches that occurred, overall we've been pretty defensively stout uh, if you look at comparative to the last couple of seasons in terms of number of goals allowed and you know the well that's uh, his style yeah it, it, know, it, it is uh, and, and so he's bring. still trying to figure out that balance clearly yeah. and um and you know i i i have faith but it, the biggest thing for me is like like is getting used to it's taking me time to get used to the different style of play mm-hmm. from an entertainment aspect absolutely because at first i mean i was bored to tears and there were a couple matches where obviously they were booed and other things were just dreadful it's not that but the montreal game i've almost be, like i still en- i enjoyed it a lot more because a i think i'm now getting used to it uh, that style the possession and i my expectations are not like way up here in terms of like attack soccer and let's right. go so that's part of it the other part though is that it's still can be boring at times, you know. Like we we're just so compact in there. Like how many times did Pogba raise his hand and was screaming for the ball, and they st- and they stay and drill down the middle. LGP LGP would go, look at him and then be like, "Eh, hey, never open, mind." Wide open Pogba and LGP makes a run down the middle and stuff like that. And it's like it's 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 clearly there are things to still be worked on. Like and and well, also they I haven't had a left back to be able to do well, anything yeah. that they trusted. So I mean, I'm st- it's just for me. I'm like, do, do the players still fully trust? the system yet or is that like a symptom of like well i'm not going to boot out why because i want to try and make something happen and i'm going to run into the middle i don't know why they're doing that but it doesn't seem like frank de boer i understand we've been limited because we didn't haven't had a full-time left back and escobar was out so we haven't been able to implement that dutch stock at the wings up and yeah. super far up and get attacking and if you look at some of the heat maps that were just put out by um, i can't remember who did it um maybe it was analysis evolved but there's some heat maps that show our wings are just dead in terms of activity you know and Pogba was a breath of fresh air because he was trying to make those runs forward. Now, he doesn't not full fitness, but it was good to see. He wasn't great, but he was good. And I th- I'm wondering if now we have a full, healthy Escobar, he can stay healthy and he can get, stay away from <laughs> yellow card suspensions. And we have a uh, someone like Pogba who can uh, resign that left for the time being until we get some more depth. Will we finally maybe start to see the guys trust that more and start going to the wings? You know that could also be a, a consequence of the squad you all have. Yeah, I mean, Vialba isn't—he wasn't a 90-minute player under Martino, and it doesn't look like he has the trust to be a 90-minute player under um, De Boer. Martinez is much better in the center than he is out to the wing. Um, when he's better cutting in, getting the ball in the center. Martinez obviously is, you know, your target striker, and the one thing I can't stand De Boer doing is pulling him back and oh being almost God. a false nine. Tell me about it. And mate. that's that's how he plays. And it's right now you've got the best. And target thank God Joseph is really good at it. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's good at it. But, but it takes away goal opportunity, right. scoring opportunities. Right. I think in some respects, but yeah. but at the same time, it's like unless it, you're wingers. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense if you have guys like Tito up. or Barker, or you have people that are going into that position, all right. of him, to where when he drops back and pulls a central defender or pulls a midfielder, someone goes and occupies that space and then can right. make and that's Barco. Barco's that's the Barco. guy that's was unlocking those defenses for us before we were relying on Justin Miram to Sword do it wonder for goals from 25 yards out, us, right? right? So so maybe now, you know, integrating Pereira and, and integrating Miram is is a sign that he he has some wingers that he can trust and play this way because otherwise your your main players were were Navy, were Remedy, were Mar- Martinez in the middle um, and obviously Joseph so you really have strong center backs that move forward LGP is best when he's going up 
and people used to like scream at him the first season doing that. I was like, no, no, push him up, push him up further. He knows what he's doing. You've got Guy Parkhurst behind him who can cover for him. Now you've got Miles Robinson who's who can a do it unit even, who can do it even better. Yeah. And so you know maybe the lack of that activity on the wing is just because you have such great players in the center of the field and can unlock those defenses. Yeah, I just think they still haven't figured out the wing back situation, and, and, and until they are fully unleashed and they feel confident to go forward, and the other players feel confident in them to give them the ball yeah. so they can give service because that's the other thing we're missing is now Gressel was playing in midfield, right? So we were missing that those uh, crosses from the right side, and so it felt everything was just going through the middle, through the middle, through the middle and Montreal did exactly what they did last time they played a 4-5-1, they sat mid the low block and they sat in the exact, I mean they didn't move they were in the, they're very disciplined, they were in that same position the whole time, so thankfully uh, Justin Miram on, on, you know scored that goal to, to really unlock them but um, without that it was a concern that maybe we were going to get a draw you know, if you're going to go far you need those games yeah. you need those games where nothing's working but all you of a sudden you find a spark yeah exactly yeah. exactly so just good to see that all these different pieces we have as backups are having impacts. Pereira, Miram, etc. Breck Shea off the bench is fantastic, especially if he can come off the bench as a left wing. And when he has, he took less risks in the, even in the Toronto game uh, and, and did fine, I thought, as a left back uh, and had that goal save, obviously, and things like that. So I feel we're progressing. That's the main thing. We're going forward. Uh, and hopefully P.T. Martinez figures it out because if he ever starts clicking into gear consistently, then I I don't see how we wouldn't make a long run through the playoffs because he's the kind of guy that could do special things. And, and that's what I would like to see is by the end of the season, he's doing the kind of stuff we were seeing in, you know, uh, in Copa Sudamericana or in Libertores and, and all these things. So anyways, moving on, uh, Mike Conti's treasure chest. We have some stats. Uh, he had a whole bunch this week. He was just spitting them out like crazy. This guy, I don't know how he retains all this information. He's a research hound. Uh, and we just like to share some of them with you because you may not follow him on Twitter or you may have missed them. Uh, Atlanta United has now won 10 of their last 13 in all competitions. Uh, this is also the first time in 2019 they've won an MLS match in which they've conceded a goal, which we talked about. Also, at the exact halfway point of the season, Atlanta United is now on pace to earn 58 points. Since going to the 34-match mat schedule... 58 points has been enough to get at least second place in the East every year, except last year when NYC finished third. Mm -hmm. Atlanta United has th 11 matches left against teams currently above the playoff line, five on the road, uh, and five matches left against teams who currently have more points than them, three on the road. So it's only just about to get <laughs> difficult. Well, I think it's, it's the next month. It's July. Yeah. I mean, July, yeah. you have trips to LAFC. You have trips to Seattle. Those are going to both be very difficult. That's, that's going to be a wild match game, at home. LAFC. Uh, it's, it's, you're playing twice a week, throwing the U.S. Open Cup on the 10th as well. So if you win that, you're going to end up having a semifinal for that come the beginning of August. So you're going to need everyone. You're going to need people to get fit, which is why I think Barco's not being rushed back because they know that you're going to need him later in the month. No sense in rushing him back to get him hurt. I think you'll find out really what kind of team Atlanta United is by the end of July. Um, if they're occupying the top spot in the East, I'd be surprised. They do have games in hand on the teams above them, but it's going to be a very difficult month for them. And, and depending on how they come through it, I think will tell you how this team will end this season. Yeah. Um, uh, some quick news. Joseph Samuel was released by Atlanta United 2. Uh, generally good guy. Um, we've met him. I've met his family. His family owns seats like a few rows behind us in, in the club section there um, where Tanner has joined me recently a couple of times. I've escaped uh, the beer targeting <laughs> in the supporter section. And uh, I used to rotate. Like I was, just, I was in the first season, I was in the supporter section 80% of the time. And, but now Jenny goes to more games and uh, my wife, and so uh, we started to use our club seats more, and then, and then lately, I've just been inviting Tanner and other people to, to, to fight someone to get into the club section. To join me. I know that was pretty wild. There's some new employees. Uh, clearly, we had some adventures uh, with some of those new employees. It helps <laughs> if I have the right ticket pulled up as well. <laughs> so Joseph Samuel uh, on his way out. We, um, you know, they don't tell us what what happened. We have some speculation, but we can't talk about it. But uh, we we don't know. They don't tell us exactly what happened. I get the feeling that it may have been because he hadn't have a, a lot of playing time. Maybe he wanted to go somewhere else uh, because he wasn't performing badly. He was in form. 
I know he had an injury there for a while, and he's a really great player. So I think he'll be successful wherever he goes. So I think we'll see him pop up somewhere. Um, so good luck to Yosef. Generally good guy. He actually came back last year from an away match in the van from Atlanta United 2, back from a long road game, like from Louisville or something, and literally got out of the van, and we were doing a podcast-a-thon at Soccer in the Streets at the training ground, and got some ice cream and sat down with us and talked with us for 20 minutes while all the other players were like, I'm not even going home, right? You know, I'm tired. He hung out and, and chilled with us, which was very cool. So that was my introduction to Yosef and just a really fun guy. Um, some other uh, first-team news. Romario Williams traded to Columbus Crew for $100,000 in GAM, which is the same amount as for Justin Miram, right? Or as I put it on Twitter, a pack of Skittles and two Oreos. Right. So I think that's a fair trade. <laughs> yeah, you fair trade. I think, it all, I think it's worked out so far. It's yeah. uh, provided some uh, nice benefits. Frank DeBoer just came out playing simple and said that Vasquez won the spot. That's what basically urged the move. And, and uh, Romario may... I mean, he'll get more playing time in Columbus, I hope. Um, I know they, you got Jossie... Right, you got Jossie's artist up there, but at the same time, uh, he's a he's a like for like though. I yeah. think more like to like uh, backup for for Jossie. So Jossie's a reliable. <laughs> not <laughs> he scored three goals in the uh, Gold Cup, right? Who were we playing? <laughs> Just saying. I mean, you know, he could put him away uh, if he, he gets service. If he gets service, yeah, he's a quality striker. Is he? Uh, Gonna get you twenty five goals? No, but it's a ten goal a year guy in MLS. Yeah, yeah. You need that. Um, and I think uh, I think uh, Romario will enjoy it up there. They have new ownership, and I know they're not performing well right now. But it looks like the team has a, a good future ahead they of have them. a future, which is at least yes, nice, yeah, nice than, start. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, Emerson Hindman. Yes. Emerson Hindman. Very interesting name for an American, no less. Yeah, he did his uh, uh, signed midfielder, by the way, signed with Atlanta United, if you didn't know. Uh, if you're not in the know, didn't follow uh, Darren Eels with his crazy horse reference. and I, had, uh, I the, still do the, not understand. It was a picture of Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth. And then crazy horse is the name of a player, a w- female player for something that has the same initials as Emerson Heinemann or something like that. So, uh, for Liverpool, for Liverpool, who comes up with this stuff? For it? does he have it in his own head? <laughs> in his own head for he, sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's an Ivy League guy who's just this is wheels turning yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. thoroughly enjoys the cryptic. Tw- I mean, it could be we could have worse club presidents that just hate everyone and don't. If say he wasn't shit, running a football club, he would be winning Jeopardy probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> or working with Will Shorts on. The or be the Riddler. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So uh, Emerson. Hindman uh, signed uh, with uh, Atlanta United from AFC Bournemouth on loan with the option to purchase at the end of the year. He's young. He's, what, 23, Three. 23 years old. So he still has a lot of potential. Maybe we need some youth in the midfield. Nagby, we don't know what's going to happen with him, you know, with what happened earlier in the season in terms of, like, is he staying? Is he going? He said he didn't know. That's not a great sign, right? We know he has family in Columbus. And we know uh, his favorite coach is there. Yes, college yes. and, yes. and uh, professional. His, yes. his, his, uh, his second father. Uh, and so we just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we'll see. I just don't see how he's going to break in and have much time. But at the same time, maybe we'll see him in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, well, that's his first match that he'll be eligible. will be the U.S. Open Cup match against okay. St. Louis FC on the 10th because the transfer ninth. window does not open until the 9th. Ninth. So okay. he can't be registered until then. I think he's a good player in the fact that he provides you depth and position that you had none in. In your midfield, outside of Nagby, Rometty, and Lorenowitz, you had nobody. Well, so. the debate is, is he an 8 or is he a 10? And I'm like, I don't know. Is Larry an 8 or 10? I mean, like, who cares? <laughs> like, he's a midfielder, and so it's just stick him in there. If you, if, yeah. if, if, if Rometty or Nagby is out, stick him in there. I know he's more attacking-minded, whatever that means. He scored, but he scored some goals in you know, the Scottish Premier League when he was on loan there. But I mean, it really only matters if it depends who you pair him with. Because yeah. if you're putting him with Remedy, who's clearly a stay destroyer, yeah. yeah, like a, a, a sprayer and, and really defensive, defensive midfielder, it gives him some room to be who he needs to be. And that's where you can kind of see how he's going to fit in. Whereas if you put him with someone like Navy, who's going to push up the field a little bit more, you might set him up for failure because you're requiring him to track back and yeah, play I, th- defense I think in the most beginning. people are agreeing that he'd probably be a replacement for Nagby yeah. to give Nagby some some and potentially uh, if Nagby they're afraid Nagby's not going to be here down the line. We needed some depth uh, to just be prepared to for that inevitability and someone who's young. You know, and if he yeah, does well, then he's got a future here. He's yeah. a young technical midfielder that is best suited for like a system like DeBoer's trying to run. He can put his foot on the ball. He can dictate the tempo. He can play with the ball, which is important. I think that I don't know how maybe would he would fit in in a midfield two. I think he'd be great in a midfield three. I'm not going to get super technical into that, but 
I, I think that he's a good young player, and Atlanta United you know, nailed it last year with Eric Armetti, so let's see how this one turns out. But I think you'll see him playing in, in July at some point because you're going to have to have that rotation, and Nagby and Rometty can't start every single match, and yeah. he's much younger than, than a Jeff Lorinowitz, so hopefully he's He does take legs. up an international slot, but we cleared a couple of those up, obviously, with... Uh, Gallagher and Gressel. He does? Doesn't he? He's American. No, he's American. He is American. Yeah. We traded an international traded, slot. Yeah, we traded, we traded international an international slot. slot. This season, an international slot. I'm on a roll, guys. I'm on a roll. Along with, I believe, 150,000. It was misreported. Yeah, it was misreported for 200,000. He was an FC Dallas Academy guy, so MLS we had to get the stupid discovery rules. Yeah. He hasn't played. He wasn't in FC Dallas Academy for almost 10 years. He goes off to Fulham, and he's so, been there since like 2010. How, how can you be like, oh, I discovered something 10 years ago. It still belongs so I don't, because they I don't, don't pay know percentages. how they change the rules, but especially with disco rights, you submit a list at the end of every year. You and put with, a, yeah, and with yeah. Heinemann, he really hadn't been pay, playing that much. Yeah. So I think in Dallas's mind, they're like, well, he knows our system. He's from here. Let's put maybe, him as one of our five every back. year. Yeah. He might come back. Worst comes to worst, another team picks him up, and we get at least $50,000 and the first right to refuse. So it makes sense for them to keep him on his list every year almost. It's kind of yeah. stupid you can have a list like that. He's like, he hasn't been there for forever. I think well, like the way everybody else deals with it is they coach. put it in the contract that they get a percentage sell-on in the contract. that they and So it's just – but MLS – we didn't get a lot. We don't get a lot of people going away from MLS to Europe to get those kind of contracts. So it's that's. I think that was created. You're, you're seeing a wave of people coming back now. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it's kind of the opposite. I mean, the Red Bulls have had a couple of guys come back. I know the big one is Kyle Duncan, who's the backup right back right now. Was in the academy, went to Liga for a little bit, played in the reserves from, uh, the team starts with V, it was a World Cup host, I, I can't pronounce it to save my fucking life, um, so I'm not even going to try, mm -hmm. and then he came back and essentially we didn't we didn't have to keep his discovery rights or anything, you know, we had the first right of refusal, um, you had Russell Canoose at DC United, right. was yeah, another Red Bull yeah. guy who went to Hoffenheim, came back so there's there's been a couple of guys, you're, you're seeing a wave of, of young guys, the next target, uh, I mean, the Red Bulls, who I really hope they get is a guy named Matthew Olasunday, who was finally released by Man United, he went to their um, U23 Premier League 2 team and now is looking to come back to MLS if he doesn't sign anywhere else. Well, he, Why are we giving away international program. slots though? Aren't those like our bread and butter that we need? Well, yeah, but it also... <laughs> you have a good lawyer. You have a good lawyer. Oh my god, my team can't cards. get a green card to save their life. <laughs> we yeah. can get everyone a green Simply's card. Somebody's got dirt on somebody in, in, in the government. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but it's like, oh, you play for Atlanta United and green card. And we've got a lot of people coming into Hudson right now to watch the Copa America match, which uh, Argentina is in, and that means, well, that they knocked out Venezuela. Segway. So Joseph is coming back, and he will be, according to Frank DeBoer, he will be available uh, in Chicago. I think he starts. He, I don't. He hasn't played. He's been. I'm sorry. He has played all season long without any rest. Keep Vasquez going. He he's didn't start really well. at all for. He wasn't. Why he, would he barely, you? Risk, he barely played any minutes for Copa America. Doesn't matter. Why would you start him? Like why? Why against Chicago? Why would you start him? Why risk it? Just. Just let him save him. Save him. Bring him, him on the sixth. Game. Bring him on the seventieth minute. Yeah, he's hungry, man. That dude does not like sitting on the bench. I don't care. That make, make him even then better make, yeah. off the bench. Then then It'll make him score raging. three goals off the bench for yeah. you. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Vasquez <laughs> is playing really well. Don't mess with a good thing, especially with a guy coming off like a ten hour flight from yeah. Brazil, which I have done plenty of times to Atlanta, and well, it's not fun. This comes out. The podcast comes out uh, Wednesday morning. The matches, if you're listening tonight, uh, and so leave in your comments. Do you think Joseph will start or not? Let us know on YouTube. Uh, and uh, we'll see who wins uh, all the things. Hopefully Atlanta United. <laughs> and uh, in Atlanta United injury news, Bellow's still out forever. Uh, Ambrose, I don't know what's going on with him. He's they've been back in training for weeks. He had his meniscus taken out. Oh, God. Him. Kratz is still out. Is he going to go on an injury waiver or whatever? I don't know. He had to restart what? his rehab. They're so quiet with him. I'm like, is he something? done for the season? Like, open up a slot, get somebody in here because if he's not going to be able to play, what's the point? He's just taking up a roster slot. They're really strict about that. So if there's any hint of him possibly coming back, before the year, playoffs, don't do yeah. it because yeah. it, it can it can screw over a guy, and essentially, you know, unless the medical professionals are sure he's gone for the year, yeah, the, that roster rule is so inflexible it's not worth it. And the Tito injury is not progressing as quickly as they ex or had hoped, uh, so who knows when Tito will be back? Um, I don't think there's any other injuries. Looks well, like Yobarco is being oh yeah his hamstring, but I think he'll be back quicker than Tito. It sounds like. Um, so it was less of a less of a strain. In league news, the only thing I care about is uh, the FC Cincinnati was drubbed seven one by Minnesota. Um, what are they doing over there? It's going well. Like, what are you doing? Like, 
Greg Garza is hardly played, and that was a genius move by Darren Eels looking back because he's been injured and stuff. And, I mean, they have no offense. And now, clearly, the defense is just folded. And they don't. They have no coach. They, they, have, they have, a, have no coach. They have no allocation money. They can't add anyone. They stocked half of their roster with USL guys, so they have no depth. You have people on Reddit with that are FC Cincinnati fans who pack 30, 40,000 people in their stadium every whatever, you know, match, right? To watch their team who, get absolutely shit Who are yeah. begging to go back to the USL. I've never seen that. Even when Minnesota struggled, you never heard that talk. You never saw that talk. It was like, you never, like, as bad as it got, you never saw anybody from Minnesota going, oh, man, I wish it was back in the USL days. But well, they, man, were, FC they, were, they were in the NASL, so there was always going to be a true. steep it's learning a, it's, curve. It's, it's, it's a little different, too. Nobody, yeah. nobody in the NASL was I mean, folded. So. I, I exactly. think it's, honestly, it's, it's really sad to see, but I think it's been an unmitigated disaster. And honestly, I hope things come good for them, and it may take some time for them to get everything figured out. But... I think it's a bit of a warning sign for this whole expansion thing with MLS. Not everyone needs to have Slow a down. team. You don't need to have 30 <laughs> teams in four years from now. I mean, even with the Miami team, they still don't have shit figured out at all. And they kick it's off like the best better it's, front It's office. like two extremes. You have teams like FC Cincinnati that completely rushed into it. And then you have Miami, who's never going to get there. And so you have these two... like. Find some balance, you know. Like Nashville seems to be taking their time. I, I, I you know, th- it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Austin's going to have a um, prick of an owner. Well, yeah. yeah, but their prick of an owner um, is well, committed to spending money. So again. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, because you know, money. At least if you come in, uh, incompetence can be covered up a little bit by by money at first. But that's what Atlanta United did. They just went out and said, "Okay, who's the best we can get?" I mean, obviously you're not going to have a Tata Martino fall on your lap in these other places. But I mean. Shit, Miami's Miami. They should be able to figure it out. Cincinnati, it's like they did. They're gonna they're they're gonna sign um, what's his face from Luis the U.S. Suarez? men's national team. Oh. Uh, uh, they oh uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. <laughs> I mean, Miami's got some money behind them. They're gonna have a stadium built that at some point. Could, yeah, and they've got they've got a some guys in the front office. They've got McDonough who built Atlanta in season one and two. You know, I mean. Miami of the expansion teams are the ones I believe that could actually make an impact. Yeah, because the be guys want to go to Miami. Absolutely, I think they'd be great for the league to have it. But I yeah. mean, again, you also you see they St. could do they could do a lot of things wrong down there and oh, still be could, fine because yeah, of the market. So yeah, and that sort of stuff. Whereas these other markets don't have that luxury. Well, you have St. Louis is looking to come up. You have Detroit that's looking to come up. You have Sacramento. You have all these other teams that are trying to come up, and it's like. There's most of them. They can't figure out the whole money situation to how to fund the team, and you don't want another situation like Cincinnati because you don't. As much as it's cool for Cincinnati to have an MLS team, you don't want them to be getting beat seven-one and have absolutely no idea what they're doing and have no light at the end of the tunnel, and for their fans to be begging that they were in a in a lower professional league. Well, the light at the end of the tunnel is next year. You can go from worst to first in MLS so easily. That's still. not going to happen with them. Well, I mean, I think if anything, it's going to be gradual, like with Minnesota, sure, where you'll see them sure. gradually kind of get better. If they, can, but the thing is, you got to hold on to a coach. You have to have somewhere there has to be consistency. Yeah. Right. Because you can't be throwing things out, throwing things in, ingredients constantly. That's not going to work. There's not going to be any consistency, and it's going to be unstable. But at least you see with Minnesota, you know, they, they gave obviously there was a three-year plan that gave Heat like three years. If he, if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's obviously gone this yes. year. And then they have their own stadium that's incredible. But I so. think they'll be fine. They're going to make the, they're going to make the, the playoffs. I think they're going to do well, and they'll, they'll be okay. But it, it's a gradual thing. But even as bad as they were, they're on pace. Cincinnati's on pace to let in more goals than Orlando did last season. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it all comes down to the front office. Minnesota was pretty open and transparent with their fans, saying this is going to be a multi-year project. We're going to suck in year one because we don't have the the, the resources. And Cincinnati was like, ignite. We're going to do it this year. Because everyone nope. looks at Atlanta and is like, oh, we can do that too. And it's like, well, okay, Atlanta spent like $40 million on transfer fees mm-hmm. and salary their first year. You know, not every expansion team can do that. And they also hired a salary cap wizard from the start. Yeah. Now, and Miami has that guy now. Exactly. So that's, <laughs> that's what I was saying about Miami. And it's like Atlanta wasn't a championship caliber team in year one. It needed to figure itself out. And it, it got a lot of guys that... They were very lucky in their international signings that they didn't have a Barco in year two. Yeah. Per se. Or they did, well, like year one, because. Or like a PT Martinez now. Right, exactly. Because they had guys who were clearly MLS caliber and could adapt in year one and then improve upon that in year two, which is how they won a championship. 
Um, uh, looking ahead, uh, Atlanta United are in fourth place, uh, two games in hand uh, with Philadelphia, who's in first place, uh, three points behind, uh, I believe. So I think with uh, the goal differential and or just the, the, the way things are set in the table right now in terms of our record, if we were to beat Chicago uh, this week, then that would put us in first place. Uh, I guess that's important, but I mean, I don't know. Like this early season, like I'm like, oh, the table's nice, but if you, as long as I'm in that top six right now, that's all I care about, right? So I don't stress about like, oh, like in the first season, I was like, we're number one, yes, this week and <laughs> for this week, you know what I mean? Well, you and still now I have I'm this like, much fixture disparity. I mean, Montreal has played yeah. three more matches than Atlanta yeah. United had, and there has, and they're one point ahead of us. So it's like. You, it's hard to really have anything figured out. And until honestly, August is difficult. Yeah, it doesn't matter until August, September, and when you're yeah. trying to figure out where you're going to go. And, I mean, this season's going to be different. All that matters is we're above the line. Yeah. Yes. And, and, yes. and from a team that was sitting in last place for, what, the first four or five matches, and now they're they're making a push and could be in first. So. All right, so looking ahead to Chicago, uh, Mike Conti tweeted that Chicago will be, uh, be without uh, Jordi Mihaljevic uh, Wednesday with uh, the U.S. men's national team now advancing. Um, and uh, since beating Chicago in the U.S. Uh, I'm sorry, since beating Chicago, uh, was it, 2nd of June or 1st of June? Um, since then, uh, they've uh, won. Oh, okay. They were defeated by St. Louis FC in the U.S. Open Cup, mm-hmm. uh, which I think we're facing them, right? Yes. Uh, up next. Uh, they drew RSL at home. And they lost the New York Red Bulls just just uh, recently. They yeah, haven't the won in their last six matches. Yeah, yeah they're not doing well. Not it's doing not well. At all. So yeah, I'm. I was telling the guys before the thing. I just don't care about this match. Like, I mean, it's important like any match, but every time we play them, it's like, ugh, I don't know. Like, it's never. I'm never entertained that much. It's never that. We've never played them in a situation where anything's on the line. Minus the U.S. Open Cup match. It's just one of those matches depends. we have to get through, and we're just like, ugh. You know, and that one time they stung us in the U.S. Open Cup. What last year? Yeah, yeah. We played all of our kids. Uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger had a monstrous <laughs> game on turf, and right. I still can't believe I saw that. Model. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really have much to add for this match other than just go and do something. Like, you know, we need to. You know, if win, if, it's going to be interesting to Get see. Points. Yeah, it's I, July. Survive in advance. I want to. I think, and that, that's the thing is, even though we haven't had like an a record-breaking away record. Um, I feel like this team's built with talking about defensively that we should be able to go to Chicago and we should be able to, to hold it down, you know, and, and be able to get a, uh, at least a point. Well, defensively, they were a nightmare. In the first match against Atlanta United at, on June 1st, they were all over the shop defensively. They had no shape whatsoever. Eventually, Atlanta United did finally go long to Joseph to get the second goal, but it's like I see no reason to believe that they'll change at all from what we saw in that first match to this one. Well, and he started Nikolic, which is a target man and, and against our system is never going to work. He was so isolated, and so he never had a shot uh, on goal, I don't think. So if he goes that same route, if he plays tactically the same way he did against us, I mean, this is going to be a win. I well, think. they haven't really changed. Even against Red Bulls this past week, they, they play with zero caution. They have no defensive shape. They, their keeper likes playing around on the ball, which has how one goal went in. And, and they don't seem to really have any detailed tactical plan to attack the opposition. So I think for Atlanta United, go up there, see what you can get. They're probably going to allow the long ball, which is why, again, if Joseph's available, do it. But even with Brandon Vasquez, you can go long against this team. If they're going to leave space in behind and play Bastian Schweinsteiger as a center back and have him routinely press up and take the ball up and leave themselves with one guy at the back, then take advantage of that space and go over the top and bitch bash boss. You should get three points. Yeah. I think uh, if Joseph plays, I think we win 2 0. I said 3-1 in five-stripe weekly yeah. yesterday, so yeah. I, I, I don't think Chicago are that good. I think that Atlanta United cannot keep a clean shit on the road to save their life right now, so Chicago mm-hmm. will somehow score. They have dangerous attacking midfielders, mm-hmm. but at the same time, Atlanta United is a better team. This is a result you have to go get, but Atlanta United has lost their last think, three road matches. I think Breck Shea saves uh, three shots uh, with his balls, like something like just amazing. Uh, will happen, and and it'll be. I want Breck Shea to score. Damn it! There'll be there'll be shots on target. There'll be close calls, but Breck Shea will just be flying all over the place. Like even when he's not playing, he's just gonna come onto the field, get a red card. Like he's gonna take so over the. T- if you had the if you had the rare <laughs> outfield player in goal for Atlanta United, would you put Breck Shea in goal? What? Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, it would just intimidate people. Yeah. It'd be yeah. awesome. They wouldn't know what to do when they see a goalkeeper with dreads. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I, and, and when he yells at him, "Good luck, bro." <laughs> 
Bro, what I'm going to save your shot, did bro. He, did he bro, just... I'm going to save your penalty right here. <laughs> You're going right, and I'm going to go right, and I'm going to save it. <sighs> Honestly, though, for, for y'all, the, the real big thing is just not getting hurt in this game. Go, go play 90 minutes, kick the ball around, don't get anyone hurt. Let's look at the important match, yeah, shall let's, we? Let's, let's, let's have a full Fuck Chicago Fire this, this match on Sunday. Screw that nonsense. So looking ahead to the match after Chicago against Red Bulls, um, Red Bulls could be without Kamara Lawrence, uh, you know, who's with Jamaica. That's uh, nice. I think they will be because or, he's probably going to play in the third place match. So and, and, I do uh, not expect him there. And Derek Etienne with Haiti. Um, uh, if either or both of them make the Gold Cup final, especially, but then even then they may not be fit uh, to play yeah. right off the bat. Um, also, uh, well, Etienne will certainly be in that third yeah. place match because that's huge for Haiti. Since, oh, we heard them after the uh, Mercedes uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the Gulch after the game. There was a, a group of people tailgating with the Haitian flag. Yep. And all of a sudden, just erupted. Oh yeah! And we we're like, "Uh oh, something's going on at the Canada game, uh, I mean, Haiti, Haiti game." Everyone was talking about a Canada collapse, but yeah, I weirdly follow a lot of Caribbean soccer, and that team has been playing together. Carousel and and uh, Haiti have been a real pleasure. And not really a surprise, yeah. just kind of like finally realizing what Concacaf has. I think the casual fan, it's a surprise. Right? Yeah. If you've been following, weird, yeah. weird Caribbean fan, not a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else, I get the surprise. <laughs> it started piling. And the Argentina was, fans are, are getting surprised riled up. that Curacao had enough people to feel an actual team. Yeah. It's the Dutch diaspora. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, since uh, June 1st, Red Bulls uh, creamed RSL 4-0, lost 3-2 to first place Philadelphia. Uh, that game. Uh, and then lost at home. That to game New was stupid. I watched Lost at home to a New England who had a red card, 3-2. Uh, to two, Yes. Uh, at, at, at home and beat Chicago recently. So well, That was the Open Cup game, New England, it, right? Uh, was it? All I yes, know is there was a, they I just remember a red to, card. They lost to New England in another game, I think, in Foxborough. Okay. And then the Open yes. Cup game, which was 3-2, was a stupid game at Montclair University. That's right. That's right. On turf. They're, like we talked about the Red Bulls front office screwing people over. Um, if you are a Red Bulls. I remember when they moved it, it was like people were like, what are they doing? Like, what's so going if on? you're a Red Bulls season ticket holder, you get every Open Cup game for free yeah. up until the semifinals as part of your season ticket. That's nice. And then they charge for them. The semis and the finals. Yeah. And yeah. so what happens, though, in the fine print, they found out it's every U.S. Open Cup game at Red Bull Arena. Yeah. So they moved the game from Red Bull Arena, and everyone then had to pay. And I remember Red Bull Montclair. Twitter blowing up on that when that happened. I was pissed. I, I haven't been to a Red Bulls game since 2015, yeah. and I was pissed for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron. Yeah. What landed you in Atlanta? Why are you a Red Bulls fan? Who are the Red Bulls? What is what is this history all about with the Red Bulls? Yeah. Tell us all about it. Oh well, this could this could take two hours, but yeah, this, we're going to turn this into a. a, a <laughs> Patreon. This is like make people pay to hear the rest. This is like war, war and peace (laughs) on Major League Soccer. Um, Well, I've been in Atlanta for about ten years now. Uh, First came down in '09 for school. Uh, Never left. Had family here growing up, so have been in and out of the city since the the mid '90s. Um, Very much love it. Have kind of built a life down here. Um, Grew up in a very small town in New Jersey, um, North Jersey, so right in Red Bulls territory. Um, Never really was a fan though until the like early 2010s um i'm not gonna lie um the red bulls were kind of like the joke growing up the metro stars like it was always uh school spirit week you had your wear your favorite team's jersey to school and there's always the one kid in 2002 wearing a soccer jersey and he'd get clowned on because it's uh giants jets mets yankees devils rangers territory oh knicks and I guess Nets because they would, were good do then. Do people actually admit they're Knicks fans? I mean, especially I'm a Knicks right? fan. I am a huge Knicks I'm fan. I'm so sorry. I'm a huge Mets fan too. My life is just you pain. are I really used to bad. take. See, I've only been to Mets games because it's the only tickets I could get. And then when I want to take a girl on a date, I could get Diamond Club seats. Oh yeah, which would get me club access and all this stuff. I could never get Yankees tickets. Yeah. So all all the girls I dated got to go to Mets games. <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> but it was still in that concrete pistol of a stadium. Uh, oh yeah, I I own two Chase stadium seats they're at my parents house um, we don't have room down here for them they need to be shipped but I'm a diehard Mets fan but I, I guess it was I started getting into soccer like a lot of people in the United States right when NBC started getting the Premier League rights I think it was a little bit before um, the Red Bulls all, all of my friends had started getting into it they talk about how great Red Bull Arena was but I wasn't really living in New Jersey 
Uh, a team wasn't on Atlanta's radar. I'm very loyal to where I'm from, even though I don't live there anymore. Um, like all my friends are heard me incessantly talk about my 10 year high school reunion, going back to my small town, graduating class of about 130 people, you know, again, fiercely loyal to that area. It was right around when David Beckham was starting to come back from all those loans from mm-hmm. Milan. And I just remember in the playoffs one year, it was 2011, followed the Red Bulls. It was one of those up and down years that they tend to have sneak into the playoffs at the end. If they're never going to go on a run because they always choke in the playoffs. I didn't know that. They were playing the Galaxy. They lost the first game one nothing at home. I think Mike McGee scored. And then they went on the road in L.A. I was watching the game down here in Atlanta, streaming it on a computer. The Red Bulls scored first and then proceeded to give up like three more goals after that. So they gave me that faint glimmer of hope. I got sucked in, haven't left since. Yeah, so you were, you were uh, anointed uh, th- through a true Red Bull baptism yeah. uh, of, of failing to make it through the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember, I mean, the next year was just one of the most fucked things ever when it was, you know, they were first in the conference, finally looked like they were going to make a run in the playoffs, and then Hurricane Sandy happened. So the, the playoff That's controversy with God. D.C. where they switched the legs so that... Um, they could, you know, not have a game played at Red Bull Arena during Hurricane Sandy, which was smart. Um, and then what ended up happening, which was really, really fucked, was there was a snowstorm like a week after because Sandy happened in October, like the end of October. And then the return leg was like the right around Halloween, like first day of November. And there was a snowstorm. And all these DC supporters like came up to New Jersey and then they were looking to play the game, but it's snowing and they're in the stands waving their flags. All the Red Bulls guys knew that they didn't show up because the game wasn't going to get played. Tierra Henry infamously was like going in and out of the, the tunnel. They're trying to like shovel the snow. Everyone watching on TV is like, just call it, just call it. We know it can't happen. And then they played the game the next day, and the Red Bulls, who had an away goal in the first leg, it was 1-1, managed to lose on an 88th-minute goal to Nick DeLeon at home 1-0 to lose in the playoffs that year. And then all the, because history is written by the victor, all the D.C. fans love to write these famous first-person stories about how they stayed overnight in New Jersey <laughs> so that they could see their beloved D.C. United at Red Bull Arena. Meanwhile, like... They were, they were chanting some very negative things, and, and Hurricane Sandy legitimately decimated the area. People were still without power from the week before. It was, it was a shit show. So when I, when I talk to Red Bulls fans, there are either two, two, two qualities that stand out to me. There yep. e- there's either the very bitter fan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's self-loathing across the board, but there's yep. the bitter fan, and then there's the I just laugh at, at myself and, and this entire thing because we're cursed, and that's just the way it is. So there's there's three levels of fans. Um, I would say the the second one you named, the one who laughs, has been there since the Metro Stars right. days. <laughs> then you have the ones who are just bitter. They've been there longer than most of the fans these days, but they've like they've been there too long. Yeah, become cynics. And then you're just like that's where I'm at. I'm just a, a fucking cynic about everything. <laughs> um, you know, and and it's and then there's. The thing with the Red Bulls is they cycle through fan bases like every three to four years because the cycle repeats itself. Like we've been we've been blessed by a run of really good form since 2009. Uh, 2009 we had one of the worst seasons in MLS, and after that we went worst to first and just started this cycle of buying guys for a lot of money but never finishing everything. And then it took until the end of that 2010 to 2013 cycle which took two coaches to go from like bringing Thierry Henry to like winning the first trophy in the franchise's fucking history 18 years in when every other original team and right. then some had won a trophy because it's MLS because they give out it tons a year. Two. Yeah, I know. It took us 18 and we're yeah. damn proud of it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's it's the guys that that stayed for 3 years, you know, they they start becoming bitter and then just so many people give up because the front office treats the fans like shit. You know, have our stadiums tarped off right now. We don't know why. They you have empanadas. They do have empanadas. That's true. We, they, Breezes is saving grace. Yeah. The new fans are just like gaga about the empanadas on Twitter. And I'm like, just go back to the other memes, guys. The other memes were funnier. <laughs> like, we get it. Empanadas are good. Um, and then it's just people get burned out watching this team. And I don't blame them. They can't win when it counts. Um, they can win a supporter shield, which is very meaningful. Like, I was going nuts at the end of last year. I was watching the game down at Midway. because I was devastated when we lost the Spurs Shield. Yeah, yeah. It all worked out. Yeah. It was, but still, right. still, that still was, it still hurts inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was it, was, it was, it was two blocks from my house. And, and, you know, I mean, for us, 
you know, the consistency of success has always been great. Winning any trophy, I don't think you can take for granted in MLS because it's so hard to keep a team in year after year. So that was, you know, a lot of fun. And I know the, I know the guys that run the big supporters group for the Red Bulls, and they just put so much time and energy. And, and you know, they're the ones that created this trophy years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they, they keep the history of it alive. They literally ferry it around the country. Um, they make yeah, our friend Robin was holding it yep. up there when we lost to Toronto, ready yep. to give it to Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It hurt especially for her. Yeah. And that, that, was, that was kind of like a weird flashback because in 2013 when the Red Bulls finally broke through, there was a whole behind-the-scenes fight whether or not the Shield was going to be in New York or I think it was RSL who was like, or Portland, who was like tied with us on points or something. And the two supporters group were bickering about like who's going to do it. And everyone was like, we can't let the Red Bulls fans have it in their stadium. They're going to choke. And then, <laughs> oh and then Mike McGee fucking scores four minutes into the game. And everyone's like, oh, my God, they were right. But they thankfully came back and won that game. Um, but, yeah, so it was like a weird parallel. Um, and, and those are like the, the stories that you hear when you're just a fan of a team for that long. You know, there's so it, MLS is so crazy. And it, it, when it gets weird, that's what I love. Like, I love those 9 p.m. games that are just, like, 5-4 or, like, 0-0, but there's four red cards. Like, when just shit goes crazy, that's, that's the MLS I know and love. And it's starting to get away from that because I think there's just too many teams. Mm-hmm. And But, like, like CONCACAF Champions League, like the CCL after dark. It's a joke. It's not. <laughs> it's a joke. No. Yes. No. I mean, I, like, if you watched CCL five six, killer. five, six years ago, like, it was just, it was, like, we never had a chance. MLS teams were never we as good as We still don't have a chance. Yeah. Well, I, it's way better. It's way better. But, yeah. I mean, Atlanta, later Atlanta, in got the season. A, Atlanta got a bad draw. Put it later in the season. Put it from August so they to the did. end of the season. They used to it have used it to be there. I know it did. And it, was, and it was awful. But it doesn't help us now to have it start at the beginning of the season, to have a rushed preseason. Then you're playing some team on, like, the worst pitch that's covering concrete ever in the middle of nowhere right outside of San Jose. It, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I just, uh, right now as it is, with everything else, U.S. Open Cup, and yeah. the, now they want to add another tournament. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, I, then, I'm not, against, I'm not then, for that. Then if they're going to add this other tournament, get rid of something. You know, something's got to give. Well, but Well, if you're going to bring back the Superliga, which was another weird relic from, like, 2011, like, have the teams that aren't in CCL and not in the yeah, Open yeah, Cup. There you that's go. fine with me. You want to throw Just, in some random friendly? If you're going to screw up season, screw up everybody's season. Exactly. Make everybody get injured at the beginning of the season and all that stuff. Yeah. Put FC Cincinnati <laughs> in the new Superliga. Yeah, I'd yeah. love that. That'd Give be great. That. Like, 27 to 1. Exactly. Like, uh, already on, already on over FC Cincinnati. <laughs> let's get weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's... it's Indoors. People forget that the Champions League starts in July. Um, like, it, it's <laughs> like this for European teams when they're in the early stages of the Europa League because they're, they're rebuilding after their financial implosions. Like, the weird pitches in different areas is what makes CONCACAF unique and fun. And that's why I love all the, the mini tournaments that CONCACAF has below the Gold Cup. I fucking live for the Caribbean Cup. Like, Montserrat got screwed by Jamaica. This is the conspiracy theory that I'm willing to die on and bringing to your podcast. Like, so when let's get weird. When New you're York not, Red Bull fans are crazy. When you're not nerding out and, uh, well, I mean, listen. Uh, e from High Press Podcast and this guy. Yeah. My, my baseline I'm drawing I mean, from. Mental. And E is, is all hyped about the Caribbean teams, too, uh, when you watch his Twitter account. So it gives them something to cheer about. Uh, <laughs> when, yeah. when, uh, when you look at what's happened between... Uh, did you attend the first Atlanta oh, yeah. game? I was there. So you were there. I when was there from day one. The Red Bulls. Yeah. Uh, won. Yeah. And what's changed between the dynamic between these two teams, like from a Red Bull perspective? You know, because in Atlanta, I feel like yeah. we're starting to treat it like a rivalry. I right. think you get more of a mixed reaction from Red Bulls fans who who are like have been around and like, well, you we've had real history with these other teams well, and da 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 so, da da. So I mean, here's what I'll say. Um, it's much more of an organic rivalry than what the league tried to do with NYCFC. And like... Is the city red or blue? Like with NYCFC, um, the Red Bulls have, um, except for one 90 minutes that we don't talk about because in the history of the universe, 90 minutes is so inconsequential, has never lost to Atlanta United in an MLS regular season game. Now, it was like that with NYCFC in the beginning and Red Bulls love to talk about how it's like it's not a rivalry until both sides win and 
I think it is a rivalry here. But I, I mean, I would not say that I consider Atlanta United to be as big a rival as like DC United, for example. Right. That's like, the historically that's, the rivalry. Yeah, I mean, it's a day it, one it's, rivalry. Yeah, that, that's day one. And you there's can, real hatred there. Oh, there's beyond real hatred there. Like, like we joke about NYCFC being a rival because it's mostly like Red Bulls fans at this point. But a lot of Red like, Bulls fans are friends with NYCFC yeah, fans. It's, it's different it's, because it's, you're close. Well, it's because there's so many people who are NYCFC fans <laughs> that were Metro stars and early Red Bulls fans and we're just disgusted with the club and left and then we're like well there's something new here so yeah. why don't we latch onto it and at the end of the day there is a lot of commonality between a large portion of the NYCFC fan base versus a small faction of the NYCFC fan base if you know what I'm talking about as in right. we need to get those fascists out of that supporters group so essentially when it comes to that it's like NYCFC hasn't made a run for a trophy and they haven't made a run in the playoffs. So and they put on a high school field. Well, why do you yeah. th- why do you feel think it's starting to feel like a rivalry? Is it because just the the, the players are now on the pitch like getting into it? Yeah, they're getting into Lawrence it. The, the fan bases are getting into it. There's organic back and forth online. Yeah. There's content being created on both sides. Like the fans are invested in this game. Um, the league understands it's a marquee matchup because both teams have been very good. The interesting thing will be what happens when either of the teams have a down year if right. the fan base if it still survives. Just saying it, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, let's be real. Atlanta and Red Bulls have both had three very good seasons. I mean, last year that both of them had historic seasons. Exactly. Atlanta had tied we, the record we for Toronto over points. Both, yeah. And back yeah. and forth in terms of point and totals that, and, and stuff that like that. And that helped a lot. And I mean, I think it was. A large part of it was you have a lot of older Red Bulls fans that recognize the value of the supporter shield. And especially for the Red Bulls, we know we're not winning MLS Cup at the end of the year, let's be honest. It hasn't happened yet. I refuse to believe it'll ever happen until it does. Um, and we cared a lot about getting back into the CONCACAF Champions League because we were, you know, a game that we should have won away from a final against Toronto. Yeah. You know, I mean, that game, I mean, I, I have true for, Red Bull fashion. I have forever respect for Almeida at San Jose now because he played the opposite of what soccer was supposed to be. He just sat back and essentially oh, played a 5 5 0. Genius. It was genius. Yeah. And, and the Red Bulls couldn't hit the broadside and of the And now he's bringing San Jose, this trash team that has no players. Well, he's, he's a to, brilliant coach. To not just win, even if he was yeah. losing, they're playing exciting yeah. soccer, which I'm starved for right he now. He might Atlanta. be the <laughs> best so, coach in MLS. If he doesn't win coach, of the year uh, it's gonna be bit I, I we'll see how long the season goes if him, I'm Bob, not writing if Bob, Bradley, if, if Bob Bradley wins that damn coach of the yeah. year I swear to God well I'm Bob Bradley's things. also brilliant I mean honestly I don't give a shit get that bald head out of I, here I you already had your, your shot in Chicago I and the best team in the MLS history blah, 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 blah. I had a drunken bet with someone in my section who thankfully no longer has season tickets in that segment section that Bob Bradley would win MLS Cup before Tata Martino and I, I stood by it at the time LAFC looked really good last year I thought they were a run in the playoffs away from being in the final but Tata showed for the first time pragmatism in a, in a tournament yeah, <laughs> yeah pragmatism yeah you know he, he did everything that so, he couldn't do in Copa so, America so what's your prediction coming up here uh close close Argentina shot happening scoring. that would be brutal this Brazil art we're gonna have to wrap this up so we can watch this game um so uh sorry <laughs> sorry listeners and everything else but it's uh, 11 minutes into the Brazil Argentina game and it's it's already Tasty. It's already tasty. So coming into this match, uh, the Red Bulls game, uh, what do you expect? Uh, What do you expect to see? Uh, What is your prediction? Maybe even throw in a score prediction. Well, I expect to see Bradley Wright Phillips starting because I think he's going to come off the bench in midweek against Houston because Brian White has stepped up and turned into an MLS starter consistently. I he loves playing Atlanta. He loves playing in Mercedes-Benz Arena. Um, that game where we won 3-1 against y'all was one of Stupid. the... Stupid. I remember the, when Bradley Wright Phillips missed a penalty kick in the All-Star game when I was there. That was fun. Uh, that, <laughs> that game when we, when we won in Atlanta was one of the most fun sporting events I've ever been to. The reverse at the playoffs game was one of the worst sporting events I've ever been to. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Your season ticket holders uh, in your section must love you when it's I, Red Bull Day. I go to the away section. Oh, you're so good. I will, I will be so in the away section You're again. gracious enough not to punish yeah. them with your no, yeah. shouting. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I know the people who run ESC, so I'm happy. They, That's cool. They hook me up with a ticket. I pay for it, and it's great. Um, Scoreline, I just don't know. It's really going to be who is 
healthy and how many players are there. Well, if Tamar uh, Lawrence is not there, I will feel a whole yeah, lot better because he was an absolute He's, he's basically got our number. Yeah, well, he is the best <laughs> left back in MLS. Yeah, and has been that. since 2015, in my opinion. Um, here's the thing. Three out of four of the Red Bulls' back line is probably not going to be there. And I don't know how Tim Parker's health is. So it could be four completely new starters in that back line. Not now the atmosphere, the environment, the team you really want to be. But you guys, but, but the, rotation but has never hurt you against exactly. Atlanta. Well, rotation has and never hurt us. We've period. been punished regardless of who's on the field. Like game one against Columbus in Columbus, they had nine reserves playing and they drew one one on the road. I remember that. Yeah, they should have won. They should have won one. I remember. One I was. I was. I didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, the Red Bulls will play positionally sound soccer based on their system. I think attacking-wise, Kaku is playing like a really good soccer player, and it's really weird to watch because he like broke a dude's face this year and like should not be in MLS. Don't get Jay started. Don't get Jay started. <laughs> like I, I, I'm not trying to. Like I'm just trying to show that like I'm sympathetic to, to what you've always been. Listen, bringing up. I can dislike someone as a human being, yeah. and still respect that right. they are if, that they're picking right. up their professional career and they're playing well. Then good for them. I don't yeah. wish any harm to anybody. Right. But I, I hate his guts. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't I don't blame you. I hate his face. His, I hate him. It was a really weird offseason with him. I mean, it's I, I want to say that it's most likely probably going to end a 1-1 draw. Yeah. Because I just don't think the Red Bulls will have the defense there. But at the same time, who knows? Like, Atlanta's not really in form right now with their starters because guys are coming back from these tournaments. Yeah, we don't know who's going to be available for either team. It could be done. And we, see, we saw when Toronto started to press us. You know, they did the same thing they did last year. They started to, as soon as they started to press us, we started to freak out. Right. Instead of, and we didn't play, and it wasn't until we started playing direct. So I hope that if this is going to, we're going to play you guys. I hope we play more direct. I, I hope yeah. Armis comes out and says, press the shit out of them. Well, of course. I mean, I mean and, it and works. That's, that's what, what they're going to do. It works every damn time. And exactly. we act like we don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. We so. shit in the first game this season, you know. One man up for seventy percent of the match. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta it loses one nil. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. We were as in I the, said, in size we and sound. What are we doing? <laughs> so I, I, I want to like my heart is saying two one, but like I also don't know based on who's going to be available and who is healthy. I think with Kamar Lawrence is probably a, he's uh, not going to be there. I know, I, but I'm saying with him, yeah. you have oh, a with, more likelihood of, of of winning. I think he's that much of a game changer. He, I'm going to go with two two. Okay, a two two draw. 2-1, Okay. Elena is going to take it. So, uh, so there you have it. Tanner's. This will be the one. This will be the one. This will be the PG one. Martinez will score 17 if, goals. If Pichi Martinez scores a brace against the Red Bulls, I'm just going to, like, stay in that seat and never leave it for the rest <laughs> of my life. Because I don't think he's as good as everyone says. He's also, like, four years older than Almiron was when he came, and that concerns me yeah. just because of him adapting. But I hope he surprises me because he's a fun player when he's doing really well. He'll but be fine. It's just uh, I would rather he click on sooner than rather later at this moment. And if it's Red Bulls, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on against a rivalry. Click it on, man. Even if you disappear for another game or two, like just do it against the Red Bulls. I would, I would like to see Bradley Wright Phillips oh. score a goal because he's just been hurt all year. And there were, you know, people like to make rumblings about players getting traded when they're gone for a long time yeah. because the Red Bulls are notorious. Oh, here's another thing that our front office loves to do to us. We get attached to these star players, and then they just dump them right when we get it. Don't worry, you'll never lose Royer. <laughs> no, we will. We'll trade him to DC United like we did with Lloyd Sam and bring in another Daniel Royer like we did that year. Um, so coming up, guys, some events. Uh, of course, there's World Cup uh, watch parties going on. I think there's probably, there's. I think uh, Lane United is hosting one at Reraz all the time. There's at Midway. There's here at Hudson FC. They'll have the uh, the match on the Halo board before the New York Red Bulls game, I believe. There you go. Uh, also very cool. Uh, soccer in the streets. The ATL Champions League was moved uh, to Silverbacks Park on July 13th because of the weather uh, a few weeks ago uh, from 1130 to 530. Um, and then way out from now, but just a heads up that if uh, you do like to s uh, stay back and watch the unified uh, soccer team, they only play typically like one home match, like, and that's it. So I think they're playing on the July 21st after the DC United game. So we'll bring that up again next time. Uh, we do have a new iTunes review uh, from Andrew ATL 24, five stars. Uh, very, very th thankful for that. Thank you for the five stars. Uh, Jay Kelly and Jessica keep us updated on all the things Atlanta United on and off the field, all while having a grand old time doing it. Love these guys. 
keep up the good. There it is. Oh, vamos Brasil. Gabriel Jesus actually scored. Meo amigao, Gabriel Jesus. There are a lot of Argentina fans in here very pissed off right now. Uh, so thank you, Andrew ATL24, for that review and the Galazzo. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> both of these teams can't lose. <laughs> We're at 88 reviews. Once we get to 100, we will do a giveaway. Please do leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think. Uh, we will read the review regardless of uh, how many stars. That's, that's how awesome we are. Um, also, coming up, um, we have, of course, you can find uh, Jessica Kelly on Soccer Down Here every, almost every night doing Women's Cup World coverage. So check out Soccer Down Here on the Soccer Down Here app, uh, and you can get all of that fun stuff. And then, of course, uh, Jess Kelly and I, and I rotate every Monday, uh, typically uh, either 9.30 or 10 o'clock, most of the time 10 o'clock, uh, and do a segment uh, with Soccer Down Here on Monday mornings as well. Also, after this, after you listen to this, go to Twitter. Over the next few days, we're going to be doing a Twitter giveaway. This week, we have a, a tee uh, or a T-shirt by Mike German, however you like to call it. At uh, ThoughtMarker is his handle. And you can check out these shirts. We'll look for the tweet. We'll post a picture of what the shirt looks like. He's a local Atlanta artist. He's heavily involved, loves Atlanta United. Uh, and you can check out his store at MikeGerman, G-E-R-M-O-N, dot storeenvy.com. That's MikeGerman, dot storeenvy.com. You can go buy one or you can wait. And you can actually uh, participate in the giveaway. And it's basically a hand with an A in it, um, very Illuminati. Uh, and then it's got um, basically fire, the crossed uh, uh, spikes, a, a crown, uh, a peach, and it's all gold. And so it's really dope. So we'll go ahead and get that up there, get a picture up there so you can see it. And maybe I'll throw it up there when I edit the video so we can see it while we're talking uh, and get real fancy. Um, so final rundown, guys. Uh, Aaron, where can we find you at? Yeah, I'm always on Twitter, at AaronBauer91. Um, I am constantly tweeting about the Olympics because I used to be a journalist covering them. Uh, also, MLS soccer because I can't get enough of it. And a lot of uh, world politics these days because I'm finally not employed for my old employer so I can tweet about politics. Uh, I am a freelance journalist. If you need people to write about things, hit me up. I can write about anything. Hit him up. He does the things. So all the things, the writing things. All the writing things. Where can we find you, Tanner? T.W. McLeod on Twitter. Instagram, I don't really use that much, and I just had to look at what my Twitter name was just now because I don't remember it, and I'm terrible at remembering social media stuff. Mostly complaining about Manchester United and other soccer things because, well, that's all I really care about, and I hate myself. So, you know, it is what it is. I feel that. <laughs> I love a self-deprecating outro. Uh, always yeah, gets know. the juices flowing. Uh, <laughs> you can find us at Unreal ATL on all the social media platforms. You can find me at now at J-A-Y-W-Riddle. Uh, Had to get the new one. <laughs> also, come to find out you're not the only one to get taken down yes, for Celine Dion. By the way, yes. there have now been two or three people that are big influencers for other things. The Eagles, uh, Newcastle, the United. Newcastle United, who have lost like 10,000 followers oh, because wow. they had a Celine the same thing. They put a Celine Dion song to a goal. Yeah, the Titanic song. Yeah, the Titanic that, that song. That was a meme for a and, while. And, and they got their account suspended because of Celine Dion's oh, attorneys. Wow. So I am not the only one. I'm going to start a support group. If I keep seeing these accounts keep going down, maybe we'll we'll uh, create like a uh, we'll get something. We'll you know fund therapy through a GoFundMe or something for people that have. Like, I only lost 3,500 followers. Some of these guys lost like 10,000 oh, followers. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you, should, you should all start like a Patreon together. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nothing helps like a Patreon. Um, <laughs> and it helps Patreon because they get that sweet percentage. Uh, you can find Kelly at the Kelly Francis and uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find Jessica on Twitter at Jessica ATL UTD. Thank you for joining us, Aaron. Uh, I think it's really cool your season ticket holder, but you also stay true to your Red Bulls that you support your local Atlanta team. But you you know you've got this whole dynamic. I, I love it. I, I, it's it's kind of unique. Uh, I thought it was a unique perspective, so thank you for, for spending time with us. Yeah, no, I'm happy that you uh, let me tweet at you, and I magically could just appear here. I hope I lived up to my, my billing we'll, at the beginning. We'll send you an invoice for, for tonight. Oh, yeah, please do. <laughs> I, I'll get back to you in six to nine months, like just the like other a writer, people yeah. that owe me money. Just like a writer <laughs> waiting a year for your paycheck. All right, guys, thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time, guys. <laughs>